You are Locked On Timberwolves, your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Lockdown Wolves podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Lockdown Wolves. I'm also the co-editor of Dunking with Wolves, the Timberwolves site on the Fan Side Network. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Had uh, some technical difficulties on Monday. And uh, so this episode got pushed to Tuesday. We're still going to do the Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday thing this week is the plan, provided no more technical difficulties. Uh, so welcome into the show. I want to talk about the Jordan McLaughlin and Jared Vanderbilt re-signings on the show today, how both those came about, and also, um, you know, what are their roles going to be in the rotation this year? So we're going to get to all that. Reminder here off the top, uh, Tuesday's Unlocked in NBA. Today's Tuesday. The podcast on Tuesday's Unlocked on NBA is East meets West. Wes Goldberg, Warriors beat writer for the Mercury News and host of Lockdown Warriors and David Ramil, host of Lockdown Heat, tackle the biggest NBA stories of the day, coast to coast. Follow the Lockdown NBA podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. All right. Uh, oh, and also a reminder, if you're not already following this podcast, you can do that anywhere you listen. And of course, that includes YouTube now as well. Uh, this is week three of YouTube. This is like episode, I think, seven on YouTube. So if you're not already subscribed, please subscribe. If you prefer to listen uh, to your favorite podcast uh, provider, whether that's Apple, Spotify, Google, of course, the all new Odyssey app as well. Um, you can listen anywhere, but even if you listen on one of those platforms, please help out with the subscribe on YouTube. It's a new channel, so that would definitely help us out. If you listen on Apple, go ahead and throw a review on there um, as well. That definitely helps us get in front of more folks um, as well. So um, today I want to get into the Jordan Laughlin, Jared Vanderbilt thing. And the news came down. This was a late Friday thing. If I remember, yeah, it was late Friday that the news came. Jared Vanderbilt, of course, is the bigger news. He had the bigger contract, three years, $13.8 million. It was first reported by Adrian Wojnarowski again and followed uh, just a few minutes, I think like six minutes later, but who's counting, by John Krasinski of the Athletic here locally in the Twin Cities as well as Tom Strong in the report. And just a few minutes later, we found out had also reached Vanderbilt had done first was, was both reported and also was presumably done next, kind of a tandem because it didn't have any years sort of left after and the Wolves got both done. The Vando get three years, $3.8 million in each of the incentives that could potentially be worth uh, up to uh, that million dollars, excuse me, up to, up to about $5.8 million. So the first two years are each locked in at $4 million. He's got some potential bonuses that uh, appear to be somewhat unlikely to achieve in that final year, which could bring the final year's salary up to 5.8 and the total value of the deal to 13.8 million. But again, 4 million this year, 4 million next year for Vando. Joe McLaughlin's deal is three years, 6.48. So basically three years, six and a half million dollars. The first two years are guaranteed 2 million this year, two point, a little under 2.2 billion next year. And then the third year of J-Max deal is only partially guaranteed and it's a team option. Um, and so there's, I believe, a buyout or a small guarantee, and I guess not technically a buyout, but a small guarantee for the third year. And the team can opt out of his deal if they want to after two seasons. Uh, so in that sense, Jordan McLaughlin, and we'll get into this here in a minute, but a bargain for Jordan McLaughlin. Of course, he's the it was undrafted four-year player at USC, spent his entire first year in pro ball out of college, playing in the G League, and playing for a couple of G teams, played for the Timberwolves Las Vegas Summer League team in 2019, and earned himself a two-way contract with a great performance there. Honestly, at the time, and this was actually right around the time I started hosting the podcast, when they signed a two-way deal, I was a standing guy, a fourth-point guard, G League type guy who'd get a shot at some point. But I didn't think he was worth a two-way deal. I was wrong. Um, he was fantastic when he got his chance that season in the 1920 season. Early on in the year, his first stint, I think 
Jeff Burt, um, and believe it or not, it was only like a half ago played on the Timberwolves, uh, which is crazy to think about. Jeff T got hurt. There were some other injury issues. Shabazz Napier was hurt as well. I remember Shabazz Napier era because uh, somehow blocked all of that whole season, I guess, out of mind. Or pre-Delo, pre I was in the Premier League Beasley question of the next blocked all that out of mind. But when those guys were out, got a chance that November, December 18, and wasn't great, got called back up to the first of the year. And it was really good. Touch. That was the year that was shortened by 19 in March. But leading into the, the season session, I guess, the option, Tim McLaughlin was really good. And last offseason, I was genuinely shocked he didn't get a guaranteed deal somewhere else. Ends up coming back to Minnesota, another two-way deal, allowed to have two-way deals, or back-to-back two-way deals one season and then the following. He's no longer eligible for a two-way contract um, with an NBA team. And this year, again, in restricted free agency, coming off that second two-way deal, he did not find a home. And the Timberwolves were one of the few teams left with any cap space, even though it wasn't much. And they always were going to have the inside track to resign him because he's a restricted free agent. And also because he's played here the last two seasons, the coaching staff knows him. They've helped develop him. The front office really likes him. Sure enough, he's back and um, he will be this team's third point guard. And we'll talk about the rotation for J-Mac here uh, towards the end of the show today. But really a bargain to get Jim McLaughlin back and and a, a great story to tell for those finding an undrafted guy out of the G League and turning him into a guy who now has a guaranteed deal. And and that that happened for Jordan McLaughlin um, after, after you know, a, a year. And frankly, this year, he wasn't quite as good as he was in his rookie season. I think it's fair to point that out. He was so good, the rookie his rookie year, and just kind of okay this last year. He also, by the way, contracted COVID-19 during the season after he came to training camp late because the deal got done late. So he was, you know, last season kind of maybe brought his value down a half notch. I don't know if he's as good as he played his rookie season. I think he's probably somewhere in between. And uh, again, a topic for later in the show, but I think he's a, a solid NBA backup starting point guard and could be one of the better ones, certainly one of the better bargains league-wide. Uh, in terms of Jaden McDaniels, the Timberwolves, or excuse me, Jared Vanderbilt, the Timberwolves acquired him as honestly kind of an afterthought publicly, certainly not for the Wolves because Gerson Rosas knew exactly what he was doing. Vanderbilt was an afterthought in the deal that brought Malik Beasley, Juancho Hernan Gomez to Minnesota. And that was, you know, the same deadline that of course brought D'Angelo Russell. And at the time, everybody was like, oh, Omari Spellman, you know, he's a great throw in. Jacob Evans, all these other names that were involved in Vanderbilt was maybe the least talked about name. And while I was honest about me underestimating Jordan McLaughlin uh, a minute ago, I will I will toot my own horn here a little bit. I loved the Jared Vanderbilt acquisition. I talked about it on the show at the time back in, in early 2020, just prior to the COVID disruption. Um, I, I wrote about it on Dunky with Wolves quite a bit about how I thought Jared Vanderbilt was a really sneaky under-the-radar pickup by Gerson Rosas. Uh, this, this Vanderbilt wasn't a salary throw-in. This was a piece of the deal that the Timberwolves clearly sought out. Um, Caden Bates-Diop was sent to Denver at the same time Vanderbilt came to Minnesota. They had similar contracts. They both were second round guys with second round contracts. Um, and Vanderbilt was, I, I think, had an extra year on his deal. Or I, I'm sorry, Bates Diop. Or actually, no, they were the same year. I'm pretty sure the same draft. But either way, Denver wanted to do this deal because they were they had extra depth, right? They didn't weren't going to pay Malik Beasley. They weren't going to pay Juancho Hernan Gomez. And Jared Vanderbilt wasn't going to crack their crowded front court. He had been hurt a lot. Had spent time in the G League. Had barely played for the Nuggets in the NBA. And so the Wolves said, hey, we'll give you a guy who's a little older, has a little more experience in K-Debate Stiop for depth for your playoff run, and we'll take back Jared Vanderbilt. And who knows if this was like a deal breaker. I doubt it was a deal breaker for the Timberwolves, or if this was just a, hey, by the way, while we're at it, could we, could we swap these power forwards? Genius. K-Debate Stiop played in the bubble for Denver, but 
then went to San Antonio in the offseason and was a two-way player with the Spurs last year. He's going to stick around in the league kind of as a fringy player. Jared Vanderbilt now has a three-year deal with $12 million guaranteed in his contract. Um, he is a bona fide NBA rotation player, and we'll talk about his role in the Wolves rotation. But just for a second, we have to recognize how under the radar and impressive that acquisition was for Gerson Rosas, making sure that he acquired Jared Vanderbilt as part of this deal. And at the time it was underreported, it got lost, you know, the, the, throughout COVID-19, the Wolves didn't play a game forever. And, and it wasn't really talked about until he started getting minutes last year and people realized what he could bring to the table. And I want to spend a good chunk of the show today talking about that. And could Vando start? What's his role going to be for the Timberwolves in 2000, uh, whatever year this is, 2021, 2022? And uh, what could that role be? here moving forward for Jared Vanderbilt before we get to, and then also Jordan McLaughlin uh, today on the show as well. I want to do the same thing with him before we get to all that though. Let's talk about our fantastic new friends at sweat block. As we all know, there's a few things in life that simply are not fun to talk about. One of them is excessive sweating. You know, the feeling very likely you've sweat through your shirt before for no reason. I know I have, it's definitely embarrassing. And uh, if you're public speaking, if you're going to an interview, uh, you know, big speech, first date, perhaps um, it, it might not be life or death, but there's certainly much worse problems, but it doesn't feel like it in the moment. And that's why I have started to use Sweatblock antiperspirant wipes, and you should as well. Sweatblock is stronger and more effective than most clinical antiperspirants. You simply add it at night before bedtime, go to bed. The next morning, you wake up, wash, go about your day, and don't worry about sweat. Guaranteed. I know this sounds too good to be true, but you literally only have to use Sweatblock once, maybe twice a week. It'll keep you dry the entire time. No more pitting out, no more picking your shirt based on which one will hide sweat better. It's doctor created and doctor recommended and works for up to seven days per use. They have a dry shirt guarantee. If Sweatblock doesn't keep you dry, you get your money back. Featured and tested on the Rachel Ratio by Firefighters, and it's been a bestseller on Amazon for the past 10 years. Over 13,000 reviews, currently number one in Amazon's antiperspirant category. You can wear what you want to wear. I'm telling you, it'll be your little secret to confidence. It's a must have for your toiletry bag. Big presentation, hot date. Uh, important speech, interview, whatever it might be. If you or someone you love is dealing with excessive sweating, you have to check out Sweatblock. Get it today for 20% off at sweatblock.com with the promo code Locked On. You can also find it at Amazon and CVS. But again, the way to go is sweatblock.com, promo code Locked On for 20% off. Sweatblock.com, 20% off with promo code Locked On. Hey, let's also talk about DirecTV. Now that it's football season, uh, I think a lot more people are, are really tuned in to the multiple screens thing, as well as DirecTV, of course, Sunday Ticket. Um, but does this sound familiar? You've got a device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows. You might be watching sports highlights on your phone, and maybe you've even got your neighbor's best friend's login for all the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all the entertainment that you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called DirecTV Stream. It brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes, no need to buy another device ever again. The best part is that there's no annual contract. Get rid of the clutter and the confusion. Get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. All right, let's go ahead and talk about, let's start with Jared Vanderbilt. Um, is there a chance that Jared Vanderbilt starts this year for the Timberwolves? I'm going to say yes. In fact, sitting here right now on September 14th, middle of the month, two weeks out from training camp, I think Jared Vanderbilt is the opening night starting power forward for the Timberwolves. Um, I think that he brings the defensive edge, the rebounding rate, uh, the rebounding ability 
that the Wolves are sorely lacking, especially at the four spot. You look at last year's total rebound rate and defensive rebound rate on the Timberwolves. Carl Anthony Towns, or actually a uh, total rebound rate, Ed Davis was number one and led the team in rebound rate, of course, and played in 30-some games. Um, number two was Jared Vanderbilt. He even edged out Carl Anthony Towns in that category. Defensive rebounding, he was third behind Towns and Ed Davis. Jared Vanderbilt was third in defensive rebound rate on the Timberwolves last season. Um, he's really the only guy on the roster that actually outperforms his, um, or I should say really performs up to expectations to rebound his position. For the most part, the Wolves have pretty average to below average rebounders for their role. Um, Jaden McDaniels played a lot of four, especially early last year when Ryan Saunders was head coach. And he did not rebound his position well. And, and that's to be expected. He's rather slight in frame, was a young rookie, a one and done player being asked to play the four when he's probably more naturally a three. And I think we'll see a lot more of him playing the three under Chris Finch than we did under Ryan Saunders. So it's not really a surprise that Jaden McDaniels struggled to rebound the ball. Watcho Hernan Gomez was fine. Um, he, of course, overall wasn't very good last year, but he's an okay rebounder. We saw too much of Jake Lehman and Josh Akogi at the four early last season and the prior year under Ryan Saunders. Neither of those guys could rebound the four at even an average rate. And that left Towns to fend for himself. Late in the season, we saw a lot more of Jared Vanderbilt at the four. We also saw some Nas Reed at the four. Chris Finch is more interested in playing big than Ryan Saunders ever was. And you go back and look at the team rebounding under Saunders, and it wasn't good. The Wolves were in the bottom 10 in the league in two out of the last three years in total rebound rate and defensive rebound rate and the bottom half of the league all three of the last three years. And Carl Anthony Towns is one of the better all-around rebounders in the game. It simply shouldn't happen. Um, Vanderbilt brings that edge on the glass. He's not huge, right? He's a little undersized, but he's got a great wingspan. He's super athletic and he plays hard. And that combination is deadly when it comes to rebounding. It's super important. And on top of rebounding, just the overall uh, toughness, the overall energy, the overall deflect. He actually led the team, believe it or not, Jared Vanderbilt did in steal rate last season. He was ahead of Ricky Rubio. 2.7% of the time uh, that there was a possession, the ball was stolen by Jared Vanderbilt. 2.7 was his steal rate. Uh, Ricky Rubio's was 2.6 last season. And it's not really that surprising. If you watch the majority of games that Jared Vanderbilt played in, he has a high motor. There's a reason that the Timberwolves broadcast called him V8. There's a reason that nickname came out on Twitter because his engine is always going. His motor is always going. Deflections, even if it doesn't show up in the box score as a steal, um, jumping passing lanes, making life miserable for the other team. He's not the quickest laterally. Um, and Jade McDaniels is a more switchable defender than Jared Vanderbilt, to be sure. But Vando can at least hold his own against fives and bigger fours, whereas McDaniels struggled in those situations. And Vando can hold his own against some threes as well. So he is somewhat switchable at the four. He can block shots. He can get steals. He can rebound. Do all those things that complement Carl Anthony Towns' game so incredibly well. Uh, just to underscore this, and this again, this shouldn't be surprising. If you watched a lot of Timberwolves last year, Jared Vanderbilt's number one uh, pairing in terms of net rating was Juancho Hernan Gomez in only 245 minutes. So relatively small sample size. And by the way, that means that Juancho was playing the three, which we saw a lot more of late in the season. And while Juancho is not on the team anymore, of course, it shows that Chris Fitch is very likely to be playing um, uh, uh, Jade McDaniels and other play Torian Prince at the three next to Vanderbilt instead of playing these tiny lineups like Saunders used to do. His number two pairing in terms of net rating, Carl Anthony Towns and Jared Vanderbilt. And by the way, this was the second most deployed two-man pairing for Vanderbilt. Outside of Vanderbilt and Anthony Edwards, which by the way was also a positive net rating, um, they played the Edwards and Vanderbilt pairing played 739 minutes together. 
their second most frequent pairing was Carl Towns at 470, which is a lot less than Edwards pairing, but a lot more than any other pairing. It was almost 100 minutes more than the next, than, than the third. So in 470, Carl Anthony Towns had a net rating of five, an even five. Outside of the, the Hernan Gomez, which is 5.7, Vando didn't have a pairing. And it's, again, not surprising. It's the energy, the body, the dense. We know that Cat can carry the but even in a non-factor combined, such together, Vanderbilt just isn't a good offensive player, right? He has no jump shot to speak of. He has poor hands. Um, probably it seemed once a game uh, the ball would clank his hands for a turnover, a steal, or, or go out of bounds at least once a game. And actually, his turnover rate was—I really don't have it in front of me—it was really high last year um, for a guy who didn't have a high usage rate and didn't shoot the ball very often. But if the Wolves use Vanderbilt similar to how Finch used Josh Okogie, not how Ryan Saunders used Josh Okogie, but how Chris Finch used Josh Okogie late last season. Put him in the dunker spot. Let him hang out there. Get a dump off pass. Sure, he'll turn it over once again, but he should get two the course of it. Maybe you'll see him at the elbow in a horn set. Uh, he'll be popping out at the upper. See Jerry Vanderbilt. Said. The thing that we will see him do, though, and one of the things that I think is an underskill that continues to develop more and more of this and beyond, is he can fast break a little bit. He can rip down a rebound and go. Um, his assist rate, really impressive. Middle of the pack, I think he was eighth on the team in assist rate last year for a guy who barely had the ball in his hands on offense, right? His usage rate was really low. Um, assist rate was because he was really faster. Uh, he can actually, and he can rip down a rebound. On, he can find the open eye. He can, he's not likely to get a bucket all the way himself. He got a little bit of handle still and a good shot, right? Great shooting touch. But because his court vision, his, his ability to pass, uh, open floor. So running is affected between Daniels and or between the, apparently a six. If six, six, Edwards at the three and you have Jared Vanderbilt at the four and Towns at the five, that's a versatile trio. And then, you know, toss in Malik Beasley, D'Angelo Russell, or Patrick Beverly, whoever's in the backcourt. That's a really good lineup. Vanderbilt will always be fifth. Whoever he's on the floor with, he'll be fifth in terms of offensive options, in terms of usage rate. He doesn't need the ball in his hands. The Wolves need guys who don't need the ball in their hands because who does need the ball in their hands? Well, I mean, how many guys are going to be expecting 15, 16, 17 shots a game? D'Angelo Russell, Malik Beasley, Anthony Edwards, Carl Anthony Towns, Jade McDaniels, as he develops his offensive game, is going to want to shoot the ball. Um, so guys like Vando that are lower usage, great defenders and great rebounders, great energy guys are exactly what this team needs. And not only that, he's only 21, right? I mean, there's upside left for Jared Vanderbilt. And if he takes a mini leap this year and another mini leap the year after that, the Timberwolves are going to have an absolute bargain on their hands. And you could not have drawn up a better defensive compliment to Carl Anthony Towns in a lab. Maybe if you were a couple inches taller, that's about the only thing I would do differently when it comes to Jared Vanderbilt um, and the pairing with Carl Anthony Towns. So all that to say, Ando excited that he, I think he starts because if he comes off the bench, you probably start Jade McDaniels at the four. But I think what you do by bumping McDaniels to the bench is you allow him to create, you allow him to do more initiation of the offense from the bench, along with some lower usage guys, right? Patrick Beverly's going to be more of a catch and shoot guy. Nas Reed, you don't really want to center your whole bench attack around Nas Reed, but obviously he can do he can replicate some of what Towns does. So you can run similar offense. Um, but like Josh Kogi isn't going to be, you know, doing much offensively, hopefully with the bench unit. So the benefit of putting McDaniels on the bench is now Vando and Akogi aren't on the same unit and they're barely ever going to share the floor. When the Timberwolves are closing games, it's very likely McDaniels is your closing four. McDaniels play independent 
But Jared Vanderbilt and Josh Okogie are probably not on the floor unless you have the ability to go offense, defense late in the game. Um, instead, you're going to be a lot more focused on on McDaniels, who's more of a two-way guy at the four, and Anthony Edwards, who hopefully becomes more of a two-way guy at the three. Whereas Vando's your early game energy guy, Kogi's your off the bench energy guy, and you're kind of staggering the all defense, no offense thing with both of those players. Um, so I believe Vanderbilt starts at the four this season. I think McDaniels comes off the bench and sees probably two thirds of three quarters of his minutes at the three and effective minutes at the four as well. I, I think Van, McDaniels could still play the four, but uh, retaining Vanderbilt at the price that they did was a really great move by the Wolves. I think he's going to play a really big role this season. Okay. Um, next, I want to talk about the same thing with Jordan McLaughlin. What's his role going to be? Is he going to crack the regular rotation for the Timberwolves this season? Uh, so we're going to get to all that. First, though, let's talk about Rock Auto. This episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts that you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand that their warehouse happens to carry? You have a computer with access to rockauto.com both at home and in your pocket. You can save time and money when using Rock Auto. Why choose to spend 30, 50, even 100% more for the exact same parts from a chain store or a car dealership? RockAuto.com is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Their prices are reliably low for every single customer. They have everything you could possibly need from brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil to even new carpet. Go explore their easy-to-use website today to find the solutions to your auto part needs. Go to RockAuto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck. Right, locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. Okay, uh, let's talk about Jordan McLaughlin. So, J Mac, first of all, incredible bargain. I talked already about about uh, you know, it's too bad he didn't get guaranteed money somewhere. Well, I'm glad he's with the Wolves. It's too bad he didn't get more guaranteed money, or even last for his sake, last offseason, find a home with another team that could give him like legit. Hey, you're our backup point guard. You're going to play 18 minutes a game, whatever. Maybe a fringe playoff team, something like that, to to get him a little bit, a little bit, you know. Uh, a bigger salary than he got with Minnesota. That said, this, you know, even though it was, it's, I feel bad for J-Mac, it's an absolute steal and a bargain for the Timberwolves to get Jordan McLaughlin at 2 million a year, 2.1, 2.2 million next year, and uh, probably only a little more than that in year three if, if he's retained uh, for that, that team option on the third year. Jordan McLaughlin's a legit top backup point guard in this league. I mean, if you line him up against every number two point guard on every roster, he's at least middle of the pack, if not higher. And most of those guys are getting paid a lot more than $2 million a year. Now with the Timberwolves, of course, in front of him is D'Angelo Russell as the starter, Patrick Beverly, who by the way, has never been a regular reserve for his career. He's always been a starter. Um, he started the vast majority of his games. He's your backup point guard. You've also got McKinley Wright, who is uh, you know, a four-year uh, guy at University of Colorado, undrafted rookie, signed a two-way deal. So he can only be in the NBA for a certain number of games this year unless the Wolves end up promoting him to a, a full regular NBA contract, which seems unnecessary, especially now. So McLaughlin's your clear third guy. McKinley writes fourth on the depth chart. However, a couple things to point out. Number one, Patrick Beverly, for as excited as I am to play for him to play with the Timberwolves, he gets hurt a lot. Um, last season, he missed a great, a huge chunk of the year. I think he played like 30 ish games. So he played like a third of the games last season, go back five years. He's only played in about 61% of potential games for the Clippers over the past Clippers and Rockets over the past five seasons, about 61%. So, uh, if he's going to end up missing 
25, 30 games, which hopefully he doesn't. He I think he had one season where he played over 75 games or something like that. Um, if he can do that, great. If not, and I, the odds are he's going to miss at least 10, 15 games this year. Jordan McLaughlin's a really good fallback plan, right? Jordan McLaughlin is as good as you're going to do for a third string point guard. The second thing is that Chris Finch really likes to play multiple point guards together, multiple ball handlers, and, and Ryan Saunders did too. Uh, the D'Angelo Russell Ricky Rubio pairing did not go according to plan. It came on towards the end of the season last year, but it didn't it didn't work out how they wanted it to. Well, Beverly is going to come off the bench, and Beasley and Edwards are going to start on the wings next to D'Angelo Russell. I think we're going to see some crunch time lineups depending on the game, with Beverly and Russell together on the court. And if that's the case. At some point during the game, you're probably going to need a third point guard for a few minutes here and there to help spell those guys, maybe early fourth quarter. You maybe want them both off the floor. And so you run a McLaughlin, you know, Malik Beasley, Josh Akogi lineups. You got a little bit of defense, a little bit of offense out there in your backcourt. Um, and you can kind of mix and match a little bit. Now, McLaughlin's obviously not going to be out there during crunch time, but to use him third, fourth quarter to spell Russell and or Beverly to make sure that they're both available for your crunch time lineup. I think that that's, that's a really important thing without having a massive drop-off. I mean, if you have to throw McKinley right out there, and they may have to at some point this season if somebody gets hurt, um, you know, that's not, a, a playoff team's not relying on a two-way player to be their 10th guy off the bench. They're just not. And so now that McLaughlin could be your 10th or 11th guy, you know that you're going 10, 11 guys deep. And that's not even counting Leander Bomara. We'll talk more about him another day. And, and not from a point guard position, obviously, but but from a sheer depth perspective, right? I mean, he's like your 12th guy right now. He was, you know, he was voted most spectacular player in Europe last year because he's an exciting young player who could do a lot of things. And now we're talking about real depth. And I'm not about to like sit here and say one through 12, the Timberwolves line them up against any, you know, anything crazy like that. But look at the last few Timberwolves rosters and tell me if the Timberwolves have had a one through 12 this strong at really any point. I mean, the Jimmy Butler year, I mean, you had guys like you had some reasonable rotation players towards the end of the bench, Cole Aldrich. Uh, but I mean, this was like end of the rope uh, or end of the road. I should say Luol Deng. It was end of the road. John Lucas, the third was on one of those teams. I mean, those, those Tibbs teams weren't true depth. They were just kind of names that, that everybody recognized at the end of the bench. This is, this is a truly deep team. I mean, we're looking at Josh Akogi as your eighth or ninth guy. Now, I think this is more an indictment on the teams of the past few years, but he was a starter, right, for the past couple of seasons, for, for a good chunk of the last couple of years, and now he's your eighth or ninth guy. So if McLaughlin's number 10 or 11 on the depth chart, if he's playing on average eight to 10 minutes a game, and, and some games I don't think he'll get in, he'll get in, right? I just don't think he'll play. And others, and inevitably when Beverly or Russell gets hurt, which again, I hope doesn't happen, obviously, but if, if and when it does, McLaughlin is a really, really good backup plan to all that. Um, and it's, it's fantastic that the Wolves got this done for the price at $2 million this year, 2.1 next year. And, uh, I think I've got it here. Uh, it could be up to 2.3 million in the team option in 23, 24. So it's an absolute steal. And, uh, the Wolves have bought themselves some serious depth as well as, uh, some consistency, um, with that third point guard position. And, and, and frankly, if Beverly and Russell play many minutes together, McLaughlin's going to actually have a pretty big role. And I think, I think it's going to be game, you know, how the games play out. Uh, that's, that's going to dictate this a little bit. I mean, Jalen Noel may end up being the guy out of the rotation. If, if the Wolves like playing two point guards, if Finch likes doing that this year, it could be McLaughlin seeing those minutes and not Jalen Noel, depending on how things start out. Um, so I want to cover on a, on a future podcast, probably later this week, I want to really go through potential crunch time lineups because as important as the starting lineup is, who's closing games for you and what options does the head coach have? 
there's real options now. I mean, look at, we could, we could have some fun slash, uh, I guess, commiserate, uh, about this. And, and I think I'm going to now that I'm, now that I'm talking through it, but crunch time lineups from the start of last season, the start of two seasons ago, you know, Travion Graham, uh, Shabazz Napier, uh, some of these guys that were on the court at the close of close games, the Timberwolves should not have a problem this year with putting out a competitive five to close out a game. Um, and that's it. the McLaughlin and Vanderbilt signings. You know, those are really important. If you're building a playoff team, the depth signings on reasonable contracts for a team that's basically capped out are really, really important. And, and the Wolves have really, I think, hit a home run with both Vanderbilt and McLaughlin at the prices that they signed each of them at. Okay, so later this week, I want to talk crunch time lineups. Um, I want to get into some historical Timberwolves stuff as well, not just the the miserable crunch time lineups that used to run the the Timberwolves used to trot out there uh, under Ryan Saunders and and uh, I don't know. I mean, I can't even imagine what it looked like under like Kurt Rambis and Randy Whitman. But we'll, we'll look at some of that. Maybe not go that deep. I don't think anyone needs that. Um, but how much better those lineups are going to look this year. So that'll be one of the things we do later this week. Of course, monitoring all the Ben Simmons stuff. Um, there's not a whole lot else out there over the weekend, but keep an eye on that. And of course, if anything breaks, be on top of it with an emergency podcast as always. Uh, but that'll be the rest of the week. A reminder, if you're not already following or subscribed to this podcast, you could do that. This show is everywhere and it's free. Um, that includes Apple, Google, Spotify, the all new Odyssey app, YouTube. Now, again, this is, uh, I think episode seven on YouTube. So go check it out. Um, and please subscribe wherever you listen. You can also follow on Twitter at locked on T wolves. That's locked on T wolves. Don't forget the T and also at B beacon with two B's two E's C K E N. A reminder that today's show uh, is, of course, or I should say Lockdown Wolves is, of course, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Remember, the Lockdown Network is your local experts on all the biggest stories. And also a friendly reminder that if you're not subscribed to Lockdown NBA, Tuesdays on Lockdown NBA, each day of the week, there's a different set of hosts. On Tuesdays, it's East Meets West. East meets West with Wes Goldberg, Warriors beat writer for the Mercury News and host of Lockdown Warriors. Also, David Ramil, host of Lockdown Heat. They tackle the biggest NBA stories of the day, coast to coast. Follow the Lockdown NBA podcast wherever you get podcasts. All right, that's all we have for you today on the show. We'll be back on Wednesday, so be sure to tune back in. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Locked on Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time.